0: Can you say that with me? I believe in the scriptures. I believe in the scriptures. Say it again. I believe in the scriptures. I, I do. I believe in the scriptures. And I pray that you do as well. And it is my heart and prayer that the church would really rise up to believe in the scriptures. And, and that's why we as a ministry come alongside the church to cheer her on. I'll be honest. Sometimes I ask the Lord, why do you have us doing this? You know, God, there are churches everywhere. Why why don't you just let us minister in a church? And And that would have been my heart to do that. And God has called us out to come alongside the church to cheer her on. And so whether that is 10 people or 5 people or 5,000 people or whatever... It is, God just continues to build that in my heart, that for centuries God has been speaking and man doesn't listen. Even inside the walls of his temples, man doesn't listen. And so he raises up different people to just be that voice, to just say, hey, the word of God, the word of God, it matters. And we have to believe in it. And you know, I'm somebody that, I I just still marvel that God would ever call me to do that because my life, I did not believe in the scriptures for so long. And so I know what he can do in a heart. I know how he can till the soil. I know how he can change it. And and, and I'm just thankful that he, he He works and he does that. And I love seeing when God changes people's hearts to believe the scripture. I love seeing it when he does that in me. Because he has to do that every day, just like Shani said. I mean, I, you know, I believe in the scriptures, but I fight the the... Hardness of heart. I fight rocks in my life. I fight thorns in my life that want to choke that out. But God wants us to believe in the scriptures because that's where it really all begins. And you know what? All weekend, God has been throwing out the seed of His scriptures on our hearts. He's been doing that all against a backdrop of Mark four, and and Jesus has described the soil of people's hearts there. And you know, as we've been studying this over the last few months. Um, the question that I kept coming back to in my own heart is God, if I really believe in your scriptures, if I really believe in your scriptures, how, do my, how does my heart and how does the church's heart get into places of hardness? If I really believe in the scriptures, how is it that rocks get in my heart so that there's not even any room for your scripture? seed to penetrate into me if I really believe in the scriptures God how is it that thorns choke out what you say in my life sometimes for weeks on end and I, I, I don't even hear what you say it's like it wasn't even there the life of your word is gone in me because my own desires my worries just choke it right out God if I really believe in the Scriptures, shouldn't my heart be really good soil And and this is what the Lord has been saying to me and showing me. He brought it all down to this statement, really. The condition of my heart reveals what I really believe about the scriptures. And I want to say that to you again and not just say my heart, but our hearts. The condition of our hearts reveals what we really believe believe about the scripture see if I really believe that the words God speaks into my life are the highest most greatest most important words being spoken into me then I'll tell you what I will do whatever it takes to make sure that that thing is going to get planted in me and grow and bear fruit but so often that's not what happens And, and our hearts reveal that Because many of us in the church, myself included, we have soil issues and God is so desirous to fix them because he knows how incredible his seed is that he wants to plant in them. Now, I'm not much of a gardener, really not much of one at all. but Marvin and I do our best, you know, to keep at least a presentable yard. We're, we're never going to get the Yard of the Year award for sure. Um, but we, we, we do our best, you know, to at least plant some flowers. Or I went to the Kroger opening the other day and bought some ferns. You know, that's my big gardening for, for the year uh, in my yard, really, for the most part. You know, I'm trying to garden my heart and I can't really get both of them done. So I figure the eternal garden is, is more important. But um, so if you drive up to my house and go, wow, she should weed that flower bed just just look at my heart hopefully it's <laughs> happening there but when we lived in georgia and we lived in georgia for quite a while um marvin mentioned it last night we had this dirt that's not even dirt it's brick clay and if you've ever lived in georgia or been there your, your clothes get dirty with this stuff and i don't care what you use it won't it won't go out i mean it's just a georgia thing and they say that word down there a lot thing it's just kind of how it is down there but That's just the way it is in in Georgia, and if so, if you're going to plant something there, you're going to have a hard time. I mean, even if you're a great gardener, I wasn't, but I at least wanted to try to, you know, do my little bit for the year. And so I remember when we lived there that somebody told me one time, they said, you know, if you buy your plants, if you go to Lowe's and buy your plants there, if your plants die, you can just take them back and they'll give you a new one. And, And I said, yeah, but that would kind of be like lying, wouldn't it? Because we all know it's the soil. I mean, this stuff is awful. So if the plant dies, I'm sure it's not their plant. It's definitely my soil. They said, doesn't matter. Just, just take it back and they'll give you a new one. So I guess I'm kind of confessing my sin to you a little bit this morning because <laughs> I did take them up on their generosity a few times. And, and I went back and I, I took the plant and, you know, and I said, you know, your plant died and and and, and they gave me another one. And so really, I guess I, I was lying. But see, I wonder, as I was looking at this passage, this this. During this season, I began to wonder as God brought that back to mind and I I had to repent over it for, for that deceit. But what he really was trying to talk to me about was the deceit that I think the church often operates in. See, in my own life, it took me a long, long time to see how incredible the seed of God's word is. I was a Christian for many, many, many years, and God had sown his, li- his word into my life over and over again, but I had major soil issues going on, and because of that, I hardly had any fruit growing up in my life. I had a whole lot of weeds, but the problem was I kept looking up to heaven and blaming God for, for the mess in my life, just like I went back to Lowe's and I said, your plant, it, it's not good. You need to give me another one. I was going back to God, and I was saying, you must have messed up. I mean, this this isn't working, God. Well, what are you doing wrong? Why won't you fix this? What you did here isn't right. See, the problem was, God didn't mess it up. I had soil issues. It was not his soil. It was not his seed. It was my soil. See, I thought his seed was boring and irrelevant. I, I, I didn't understand it. I didn't have time for it. It seemed ancient to me. I read other things all the time, listened to other things all the time. And we didn't have cell phones back then, or you know, the internet and all this stuff, you know. But I mean, I was constantly bringing in other words into my mind. Now, I would have never said that I thought the Bible was boring. I would have never said out loud that I thought it was irrelevant. I was in church all the time. I would have said to you, "I believe the Scriptures," but see the condition of my heart. And the lack of fruit growing out of my life revealed that I was deceived and I was putting everybody else's words above the incredible words of God. But see, God looked on my deceit, and you know what he did in his mercy? As I looked up to the heavens and blamed him, he gave me more of his seed. (laughs) He gave me more of it. But here's what he also did. He also handed me a shovel (laughs) because he knew I needed to start working on my soil. And he was willing to help me do that. And he knew what the real problem was, even if I didn't. And this morning, what I believe God wants to do in this place is to just hand out some shovels so all of us can do some gardening in our hearts and and do some things with our soil. But we're also going to see that he is very mercifully handing out his word over and over to us again when we mess it up with our soil he'll just pour more back out on us that's how generous of a god he is he overwhelms us with his word. He breathes it out on us. So we're going to keep Mark 4 as a backdrop for certain throughout this whole time that we're going to look into God's word. But I want to ask you to turn over to Psalm 19. It's a psalm that David wrote. You've probably read at least a portion of it before. You'll see as you get into it. But it's a psalm that David wrote to describe how incredible God's word is. And so I'm going to just begin reading the first few verses here. It says, the heavens are telling the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone through all the earth and their utterances to the end of the world. You know, here in Psalm 19, we find that literally the heavens are dumping out the seed of God's message, his truth all over creation and it describes it as god using pictures into the sky to really paint a picture of the identity of who he is of his glory if you look in verse 2 it says this happens day to day and night after night the heavens are revealing the knowledge of our god See, anybody can look up to the heavens and see the sunrise or the sunset or the beautiful clouds or the the stars in the sky at night, and and just something inside of you, you know, there is a a masterful creator, an omnipotent God, uh, just an amazing divine being that showed off when he created this, and he shows off every single day as he paints it again in a new way, and he's speaking messages and and this is telling us that he's saying something but he's not using literal words he's painting pictures but those pictures are speaking a message to us and giving us a message now I understand this and I'm sure you probably do too because I've had several times in my life that God has spoken very specific things through things that I have seen in the heavens I mean, God literally changed my life through a picture that he showed Marvin and I of a rainbow back in 1990. He spoke such a powerful promise to us. I wish I had time to tell you the story. And he made good on that promise. And even today, I am trusting in that same promise of that rainbow. It was a powerful word from God. He didn't say a word, but he said a word. Do you know what I mean? And he's done that in my life, too, through, through the sunrise. In fact, last fall, our women's ministry, which is the, the part of Established Footsteps that I really oversee for the most part, we hosted our first ever fall Bible getaway in the Outer Banks. And it was an amazing time. We're so excited to do it again this fall. We're already full, but make plans for 2016 because we're going to actually do two weeks in 2016. But anyway, this is a picture of the ladies that were there. We had an amazing time together. But while we were there, God spoke so powerfully through some sunrises. And he he did that for several women. He did it for me. This picture of this sunrise, God healed a broken place in my heart. And it gave me a promise through this sunrise. It was a sunrise that I had never seen before. Do you notice the little teeny heart down right by the shoreline? That was an answer to a question that I had been asking God all summer long again wish I had the story time to tell you the story of that but God spoke a word to me and he didn't say a word but he spoke a word now I'm sure that lots of you probably have stories like that too of things that God has shown you as you just look up into the heavens and his word makes it clear there that he does this and then he shows us that through the experiences that we have but keep reading with me here in Psalm 19 because it says in them He has placed a tent for the sun. That's kind of a confusing little thing right there. We're going to get back to that in a minute. God showed me something so incredible there. But it says, In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens, and its circuit to the other end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. See, not only is God pouring out his seed all over the world, he's supplying the sun too. Because we all know that seeds need sun to grow, right? Now, I told you I'm not much of a gardener. I am definitely not a science girl at all. <laughs> Never have been. When we homeschooled, it, science was, a, was not so great at our house. But, but I did learn this word when I was a little girl. I learned the words photosynthesis, right? Not sure I still know how to spell it, you know, but hopefully um, I'm saying it right, okay? So what is photosynthesis? It is the process where a plant creates food that it needs to live. And that process is powered by the sun. And so as we think about the backdrop of Mark 4 and the seed of God's word, and and this telling us about the word of God being poured out all over, and then God starts talking about the sun, he's telling us that he's supplying the power for that that seed to grow. Now, we know that the sun literally does run the circuit of all the heavens, right? Every day it does that. And so this is you know scientific truth here which we find in the word of god Because it does that as it says that here in verse 6, it runs the circuit. But we also know that the power of God is all over the world through Jesus Christ for that seed to have power to grow in us. And I want to tell you why I know that God is talking about Jesus right here. See, there's a lot of places in my Bible that have little stars beside them which are indicators to say, okay, this is a prophecy of Christ. Now, this was not one of them. But And I got really stuck on that little line, in them he has placed a tent for the sun. In fact, you know, a lot of times when we read the Bible, we'll be tempted to just kind of gloss over some things because we're like, I don't get that. We just look for the stuff that makes us feel good or speaks in the moment before we run out the door with our coffee or whatever, you know, because we need a word from God. But there are times, and, and I think if we would settle down long enough to garden with God, if we'll ask him and say, God, what is that? That he might reveal some deeper things to us so there's no star in my bible but god showed me for sure that he was talking about jesus here and i want to tell you why because this is how he broke it open for me see it says in them well what's them them is the words of god because he had been talking about how he he's pouring out his words out all over the heavens so he says in them he has placed a tent what's a tent a tent is a dwelling place right And he says, for the son. And we've already identified that we think this is is Jesus. But let me tell you why it is for sure. He says, let me, um, he says here that, um, you know, he's placed a tent for the son. Well, in the New Testament, what are our bodies called? Called a tent, right? And what is Jesus called? What's one of his names in the New Testament? He's the word of God. Well, in his word, where he says, in them, he's placed a tent. What did he do in the word of God? Jesus was the word of God before he came to earth. So he took the words of God, he placed a tent on him, in him, and he sent him to the earth to bring forth that word so we could begin to hear it as words, not just as a message out of the heavens. And what does it say here in verse 5? It says he's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and who is Jesus? But the bridegroom coming for his church to speak the word, to give us power to let this word come alive in us. This is incredible stuff. And we haven't even really gotten into the full meat of his seed. How incredible it is. But I love that because the Bible, you know, I'm not much of a puzzle girl either. But I love it when I see the pieces of God's word fit together. And the Lord is like, I'm going to show you some treasure. If you'll just get in there and dig in the dirt and let me show you what I have to say to you. He's been planning and preparing his words for us and watching over them as amazing gardener, all of history but read with me because we've talked about the seed that doesn't have any words to it but it's messages it's messages from God but then God begins to talk about the seed with words and starting in verse 7 and this is probably the part of this passage that you're most familiar with it's beautiful it says the law of the Lord is perfect it restores the soul the testimony of the Lord is sure it makes wise the simple the precepts of the Lord are right rejoicing the heart the commandment of the lord is pure enlightening the eyes the fear of the lord is clean enduring forever the judgments of the lord are true they are righteous altogether they're more desirable than gold yes than much fine gold sweeter also than the honey and the drippings of the honeycomb moreover by them your servant is warned and keeping them there is great reward now I know probably all of us at one time or another have walked into some place some park whatever and you've just seen this amazing garden of all these beautiful flowers and the colors all mixed together and you just kind of like wow isn't that gorgeous you know and 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 maybe in a little child's terms one of my favorite little girls Sienna she would say oh that's beautiful you know or, or you know you just take it in but you know when I read this passage of of these descriptions of god's word that's kind of what what i feel in my heart there's just this beauty before me of all that the word of god is now not being much of a gardener i would be the type of person that i would walk by something like that and i would look at it for maybe a minute or so and i go wow isn't that gorgeous might even snap a picture put it on instagram whatever but i'd kind of just go by and i think for the most part as i've ever read this before that's what i've done i've just kind of looked at that with a swoop of sight and thought wow the word of god it's amazing But you know, there is that time when you might walk over to a garden and you'll just look at each individual plant and how amazing they are and talk about them and think through them and just what God has created. And I think this morning that's what God wants us to do. In fact, I know he does for us to look carefully at each one of these descriptions to see how incredible his seed is. So, Before we do that, though, actually, I want to look real quickly at just these verses as a whole, verses 7, those five verses that we just read, and and just talk for a second about whose word this actually is. See, because this incredible seed that God pours out on our life, it comes from God. Now, that might be like, well, yeah, duh, you know, I mean, yeah, it comes from God. But, But I really believe the Lord would have us just speak into that for just a moment. Because sometimes I think we forget, and I know I can say this for myself, we forget when God speaks, that it's God speaking. It's God speaking. We know it in our heads. We pick up our Bible and we say, this is God's word. But amidst the day-to-day of life and all the other voices that are coming at us, we forget whose words are higher. We forget whose words should have the highest place. If This is literally God speaking. Now, obviously, for, for the pictures that he paints in the sky, that's God. Like, I, you know, I like to paint, but I, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> and I don't know of anybody else that, that could, you know, do that. Those are obviously, you know, images, messages, the, the, the messages of God in the heavens. But did you catch just this little thing here in these verses of all of these descriptions? What does it say on every single one? The law of the Lord. The precepts of the lord the testimony of the lord and each one of those has the description that wasn't a mistake god wants us to know it's him speaking in each one of these things and if we could understand that every time the seed is sown into our lives it's from god god of the universe god my maker god who could wipe me out with his breath if he wanted to but instead he chooses he chooses to speak out of the abundance of who he is into my little life into my little field and what i do with those words really reveal what i believe about who he is and what he says if i really believe that this is god speaking pouring out speech from the heavens all day long on my life if i really believe that Why would I ever exalt somebody else's words over his so much in my life that I don't have time to listen to him or I put him off for the next day or for a few hours when maybe I I can settle down and listen to you for a minute, God? Why would my schedule, my pride, my opinion, my cell phone be set above what God says? Why would my desires ever have a louder voice than the God of heaven? This is the living, active word of God. It's his scriptures. It's breathed by him and generously sowed into my life. It's empowered by his son, Jesus. The word of the Lord is incredible seed. And I and you and the church would be so wise, so wise to open up our hearts and make sure that our soil is good because the condition of our hearts reveals what we really believe about the scriptures. So let's look at these six descriptions a little bit more carefully. The first one is the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul, this says. Now, when you hear the word law, most people immediately think rules, and and yeah, that, that would probably make sense. But if you dig a little deeper, you realize that this is talking about the first five books of the Old Testament because the Hebrew word here is actually Torah which is another name for the first five books as a collection Genesis Exodus Leviticus Numbers and Deuteronomy and so this is speaking of that when it says the law of the Lord is perfect restoring the soul now I imagine most of you are familiar somewhat with the first five books of the Old Testament and you know some of the things that they contain but let's think about that for just a minute they contain creation they contain our heritage and our roots because it tells us that we were made in the image of God. They, they tell us God's first promise of, of his plan to redeem us through Jesus because they also tell us about the fall of man and how this world got so broken. In fact, the very first picture of the gospel is seen in the book of Exodus when we see Moses rescue the children of Israel out of the slavery of Egypt and take them into the wilderness and then they're headed towards the promised land. We see God speaking promises over his children. We see God speaking encouragement and grace over them and fighting for them. We also see the holiness and the wrath of God in these five books of the Bible. Now, what does it say here in Psalm 19? It says, the law of the Lord is perfect. See, this is a perfect picture of our God. It's a perfect picture of us. It's a perfect picture of the world. It's a perfect picture of sin. It's a perfect picture of redemption. God's included it all right there in those first five books. And it says it restores the soul. Now, when something is restored, it's refreshed or it's repaired. And how many of us know that every single person alive needs to have your soul restored? Every one of us does. What is your soul? It's your mind. It's your will. It's your emotions. And every one of us are broken in our souls. We, we have a death in our souls because of sin, and we need that to be restored. So many people think that the Old Testament is just irrelevant for today. Oh, no, it's not irrelevant. God is saying, let me dump The the seed of this on your soil, it's not irrelevant. It is exactly what you need, this knowledge inside of you, so you can know who you are, so you can know what you're here for, so you can know that I created you, that I'm your father, that I give you worth, that I give you value. You can know what I say about sin. You can know what I say about redemption. You can know I'm a holy God. These first five books restore the soul. And see, when we understand that truth, we walk different. We know who we are. I love walking alongside women in our ministry who dig into those books and they begin to see who they are and they begin to exalt these words that God says over the lies, over the rocks, over the thorns, over the hard soil. It begins to break it up because they get refreshed and their soul, their soul is restored. They begin to know who they are. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing when that happens especially in in women's lives who struggle so much sometimes to know who they are to have a confidence in their identity to know even if your parents forsake you you have a God you have a maker who has made you and that tells you that word alone from Genesis 127 that tells us that we are made in the image of God can speak life into us for a hundred years plus if we don't ever hear anything else to know that the God of heaven created us in his image that he loves us he made us for a purpose that speaks life into people and we need to know that and so when a woman knows that when a man knows that when we set these foundational truths above the lies of any other words in this world no matter who they came from even if they come from ourselves, from our own speaking if we set god's words above that and really believe his scripture it restores the soul amazing incredible seed but let's keep looking here because this is the testimony of the lord it's like walking along in this garden and seeing another flower. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It makes wise the simple. I especially love this one. Not even really sure why. I, just, I, I love what comes out of the testimony of the Lord. Because see, if you think about a testimony, when somebody gives a testimony, they're giving witness to how they see the story. And usually they'll include the facts. But if they're allowed, they'll also share their heart. They'll share what's been going on in their mind. And that's why as we see God sharing his testimony, his story, and, you know, that's what history really is. It's his story, okay? God's giving his story of the world, how he sees it. And God's going to say what he wants to say. People will object, but he's going to say what he wants to say. So he, he shares his heart. He shares what's going on in his mind. That's why all over this word we see blessings and we see promises because God's sharing his story, but he's sharing what's in his heart and in his mind as he shares the testimony. Now, for centuries, there's always been people that have been trying to say, objection, I I don't like that story. You're not allowed to say that in in my world, in my life, in my house. We, we We don't talk like that, and they object to God's testimony. You think about it even in the garden of eden right that's exactly what satan did he slithered right in there and he said objection i'm gonna tell my story i'm gonna tell you the way i see it and what happened was as adam and eve began to exalt the words of satan above the words of god what happened a thorn began to grow in their heart that choked the word of god out and then sin entered our world that same Thorns that grow in our hearts when we exalt somebody else's testimony above the testimony of the Lord. You know, I was reading the other day in John eight, just in my own just time with the Lord. I'm just not for study to speak anywhere, but just fellowship with God. I'm reading through the Book of John right now, and and I was reading in John chapter eight when Jesus was in the temple teaching, and the Pharisees they they he. It would be like me today just standing here, and not that I'm Jesus by any means, but, you know, just think of the scenario. I, I had skipped over this part before. Jesus is teaching, and the Pharisees come in and bring this naked woman in and put him right in front of her. It's like they say, objection. Um, you're not allowed to say that in here because we want to talk to you about something else. But I love it because what you find is Jesus began to speak too. <laughs> but this time, he didn't really speak with words. You know how he spoke? He bent down in the sand, and he started writing, and he silenced every testimony of the others because they walked out without a word. See, it doesn't matter if God speaks in the heavens, if he writes it on a page, if he writes it in the ground, it's his testimony, and it's a true, reliable witness. He is. His te- the reason they walked out is because they knew that was the truth. They knew it was the truth. You know, I heard somebody say one time, and, I, and I, there's all kinds of theories out there about what he wrote. We, we don't know what he wrote, but I, I especially liked this one, that he started writing out the names of all of the mistresses of these accusers. And they were like, whoa, he knows things. He's got a testimony he could give against me. And so they walked out quiet. You know, God knows everything. He knows the whole story. Sometimes we might hear a part of the story from somebody else and we can begin to exalt that word. No, no, no. God knows the whole story. And that's why his testimony is reliable and sure. You imagine being in a courtroom for a very serious case and somebody's life hangs in the balance of whose testimony is believed and you're on the jury. Well, you want to make sure that that testimony is reliable, that it's sure. Well, here's the thing. For every one of us, our life is a serious case and the testimony that we listen to the testimony that we believe is the seed that's going to begin to grow up in our lives and so we don't ever want to be making objections to god's testimony we want to be taking his testimony in we don't ever want to listen to anyone who makes objections to god's testimony What we want to do is receive it, let it grow in our lives, because this says it will make us wise. And see, it will make us wise because not only will we know what his testimony is, but we'll know how to walk that testimony out because we'll know the heart of God, because we will have listened to the whole thing, because God doesn't just tell the facts. He tells his heart, his heart for his children and what he desires for us. Let's keep reading in verse 8 because there's a bunch more of these things. Okay, it says, The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Now, I read these two together because they really kind of sound like the same thing. And in many ways they are, but there is, there is a distinction here that's important. So let's look first at the precept. It's like a principle. A precept is a principle of truth that God shares with us in his word that we would be so wise to follow. And this says that the precepts of the Lord are right, meaning they're correct they're they're straight they're level they're pleasing for us lots of times people might be known to be trying to make a choice and they say you know I feel pulled in this direction and in this direction and I I just can't figure out the right thing to do well most of the time probably all of the time God has already spoken about the right thing to do we just need to know what it is he said we need to know what the precepts of God are I mean, we see the precepts of God all over the Word of God, especially in books like Proverbs, you know, where there's just so much wisdom. He speaks into things like our speech and our sexuality and and our integrity and our finances and our relationships and our parenting. I mean, he even talks about things like, be careful who you'd pick for a wife because you don't want to nag, you know. And and, and he, he says, be careful when you sit down to a dinner party. I mean, God talks about dinner parties. He's got precepts about those things. He explains his precepts to us in his word because he knows it's going to help you have a good life. So I want to tell you these things, kids, would you listen to me? Would you have good soil to receive it? And that's why we as a ministry do everything we can to come alongside the church and make sure that the word of God is being held high so we can know the precepts. That's why we have events like Truth Weekend, or why this summer we're having a a Bible study for the ninth time for for women in the summer. and, And why we do that? Because the more we know God's Word, we will know what His precepts are. And when I know them and I allow Christ to empower them in me, you know what begins to grow up in my life? This says joy. It rejoices the heart. Now, you know, being not much of a gardener, sometimes there's been a few times that I've looked at a little seed. And known that that seed is supposed to produce this beautiful flower. And I look at that and I go, I don't see how that could ever come from that. This is a brown, ugly seed and you're going to produce this beautiful flower out of that. But you know what? If you're a good gardener and you plant it in good soil and you do what you're supposed to, that comes out of that. And a lot of times I think we look at the precepts of God and we go, there is no way joy could come from that. That's going to make me miserable. If I give my money away, if I give my life away to you, God, if I listen to what you say and put these boundaries in my life, if I shut my mouth when I want to speak, of these precepts that God teaches, we're like, I won't get any joy from that. So we just, we, we do something else. You know, we put a rock in here or we harden our heart to that or whatever. And God said, you don't understand. I'm God. <laughs> and so I know what seed produces joy. And see, a lot of times being in ministry now for many years and just my own life, i got stories. I can tell you, you know, I I go, why don't I have any joy in my life? Or I I sit across the table from people going, you know, I'm just miserable. And and, and, and we don't see this because we're not walking in the precepts of God. Half the time, we don't even know what they are (laughs) to walk in them. And, And if we would just walk in these precepts of the Lord, joy would come up in our life because our God is pretty smart and he knows what grows joy. It comes from the seed of his word, his precepts. They rejoice the heart. Oh, to have soil that receives the precepts of the Lord. The second part of verse 8, though, is about commandments, which really is stronger than a precept. Because a precept, it's a principle of truth that God's saying, you'd be very wise to live this way and bring you some joy. Don't you want some joy in your life? But a command is a command. (laughs) It's a straight-up command from God. For instance, God says in Deuteronomy, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and teach your children to do the same. that's a command God is telling his children you do this in the gospels Jesus said and and talked about this this morning in a powerful way go into all the world and preach the gospel that is a command for all of his children in the New Testament Paul said I command you to abstain from sexual immorality Jesus said love one another these are all commands they're straight-up commands from God and he says that they're pure Now, in today's terms, maybe we can understand that better by thinking organic. They haven't been manipulated in any way. They're just straight love poured out from God into our lives. Straight purpose from God poured out, not not manipulated in any way. And it says that he gives them to us that our eyes might be opened up, that our eyes might be enlightened. I heard somebody say recently, they said, every believer, every child of God, needs to wake up two times every morning. Now, for some of us, we're like, two times? I can hardly get up one time. <laughs> How do you get up two times? But see, our body needs to wake up, yes, and, and we need to be able to do that with joy, and I still work on that. I don't do that so well and struggle, and God's sanctifying that, and I'm learning better, but you know, I need to get my body up, but I need to wake up my soul every day. My spiritual eyes need to come open. But see, if we don't allow our spiritual eyes to come open, if we don't wake up spiritually, because we can wake up physically and never wake up spiritually. We can sleepwalk all day long. And we're walking through in the darkness and we're confused. And what happens in darkness? Fear, misinterpretation, reaching for wrong things, tripping, stumbling. All this kind of stuff happens in darkness. God says, open your eyes. And you do that by letting the soil of your heart receive my commands. It opens up your eyes spiritually. Amazing stuff that God gives us here, his incredible seed. This next one in verse 9 says, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Now, I read this when I began to study for this message, and I, I just really struggled with this one. And again, just had to just get before the Lord, which I try to do for all of this, but just to say, God, I really don't get this because it threw me off for this reason. It sounded like something I was supposed to do instead of a description of God's word. So as I said to the Lord, God, I really don't get this. Literally, the Holy Spirit just dropped this question into my heart. And it was, is there such a thing as a thornless rose? And I was like, God, you know I'm not a gardener i don't know he said sharon is there such a thing as google i said oh yeah i know about google so i got on google you know and 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 i did some research and i found out that from what i can tell roses were originally created with thorns and the thorns are very purposeful they're useful for protecting against predators now if you've ever been jabbed by one of these thorns you know this they hurt right And most people love the beauty of a rose, but they don't want the sting of the thorn. So here's what's happened over the years, because we do have thornless roses today. Two things have happened to create them. One, people have genetically modified the seed of a rose so that now we have variations of roses that are thornless. And also, there's been a cross-pollination of roses and other flowers that just happens in the commonness of, you know, just life. And and that's happened. And so now we have these variations of roses that don't have any thorns. Now, they're beautiful. There's all kinds of variations of roses that have no thorns at all. And they're absolutely beautiful. But from what I could read and tell, they're much more susceptible to disease and predators. So here's what happens. They don't last as long. Now, keep that in mind. and And I just love the The wisdom of God to just know exactly what to ask me, to give me understanding here. Because if you go back to this, it says the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And see, the word fear here, it's not a verb. It's actually a noun in the Hebrew. And and the literal meaning of that word fear is an awesome object which should cause respect for God. God's word is so awesome, it should cause us to regard him as holy. See, his word was spoken out of his holiness. It's clean. It's not been modified in any way. It's not been cross-pollinated. And if we will let it be what it's supposed to be, it will endure forever, and it will produce things in us that endure forever. I believe God asked me that question about roses and thorns because many people want the encouragement of God's Word. They want the blessings of God's Word. They want the warm fuzzies and, oh, this makes me feel special part of God's Word. But they don't want the things that sting. And so what do we do? We get in there and we, we try to modify it and, and, and take those parts out or change them or we let our humanity and this amazing Word cross-pollinate And we create our own stuff. And then we have the word, but we don't ever talk about the things that sting. We don't let those things into our life. Our hearts are hard toward the things that sting. You know, reading again in in the book of John, the Bible describes a time when when some of his followers uh, of Jesus had been listening to him, and, and he said something that they didn't like. And you know what they said to him? They said, Jesus, that's a really difficult thing. Who can listen to that? In other words, God, we we liked it the other day when we were sitting on the mountainside and, and you were just telling us all these things that just made us feel so good, but we don't like that. And so you know what happened, the Bible says? They went away. They didn't follow him anymore. They didn't last very long. And I believe this description of Jesus' words here to us, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. It's a description for us to regard the word of God as holy, holy, spoken by a holy God. If we really want it to produce eternal things, not just things that spring up for a moment, that make us feel good in the moment, but we have soil that goes deep to let God say the things to us that sting that then we will begin to see those beautiful, eternal things. We'll begin to have eternal vision for what God wants to produce in our lives and letting him actually doing it. If we receive the seed in all its fullness and we don't try to mix it up. Now, there's one more thing here. It says the judgments of the Lord are true. They're righteous all together. You know, in our culture today, how many of you have heard this or maybe even said it, don't judge me, don't judge me. You know, it's, it's uh, the other day, not too long ago, Marvin and I were standing waiting in a line and one of the guys, he had, I mean, he had tattoos on both sides of his neck and one of them was a cross and one was a picture of Satan. And Marvin talks to anybody. I've learned that being married to him, You can walk in an elevator, he's going to be talking to the whole place. You know, most people stand there like this. No, he's going to talk to everybody. So we're standing in this line for like 15 minutes. And so he just starts talking to the guy. He said, hey, man, he said, tell me about your tattoos. The guy said, don't judge me. Don't judge me. I'm like, you got Satan and a cross. I mean, you're like, you're wearing it for everyone to see. We're not judging. We just kind of want to know what it's about, you know, just trying to make conversation. But that is the the tone in our culture today. Don't judge me. Let me make my own opinions. But what does this say? The judgments of the Lord are true, meaning they're faithful, they're reliable, they're firm, they're right. They're not going to change. So we can plant our own judgments in our garden, or we can put somebody else's judgments in our garden. Oh, I like what you say. I think I'll plant some of that in my life. But see, if they're not one with the judgments of God, they're a lie. They're a lie. And I don't want to live in a lie. And I don't want to pronounce any kind of judgment that's not one with God's and put it, just distribute that into anybody else's life, as Jenny was talking about this morning. God's clear decisions are all over his word. And he's going to be faithful to those decisions. He's clearly handed down judgments about salvation. He says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. That's the only way. One way. That's what God said. He's clearly handed down his judgments about love. If you don't love others, you can't love God. That's God's judgment about so many things, about anger and jealousy and greed and and faith in our hearts. I mean, there's judgments all over the word of God, but they're also planted in within the midst of his blessings and his promises and his holy word and and his commandments and his law. It's all in there together. And see, we don't get to appeal the judgments. We don't get to say, oh, but I, I... that we should do this differently because that would get into what we just talked about the fear of the lord uh, regarding the word as holy god tells us how good these judgments are it's interesting to me with the judgments the thing that our culture pushes away the most god takes the most time to describe how good they are (laughs) he says they're more desirable than gold (laughs) living in america where everybody's chasing the american dream to have all this stuff and and you know what that mentality that is just as much in the church as, as it is in, in, in the world. We are striving for gold. Our lives are, are driven by pursuits for having more and rising to a higher level of wealth. And I know that's been the way it is for all over the world, but there is a heightened sense of that in America, almost an expectation towards it for everyone. But you know what? Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that while the rest of the world... Um, is, is pushing judgment aside. God saying, let me plant my judgments in you. And my judgment, God says, is that the, the, the gold really comes underneath my word. It, it doesn't, it, it's more desirable to have my word than it is that. I'm going to tell you, I don't hardly know anyone that that's the case, including me, where the word of God is desired higher than a standard of wealth. I don't think I've hardly ever met anybody that that that's really been planted in our lives and grows up. I've heard about a few people. I've touched moments in people's lives and even seen it in my own places of sacrifice. But where that's a pervading thought and and, and lifestyle that we desire the word of God higher than we do gold, I mean, that that pierces. It's one of those stings that I'd like to take out. But it's there you know what this also says that the word of God is sweeter that really speaks to me too because I sure like me some chocolate <laughs> you know I'm not a big honey girl but I like a chocolate or maybe for you it's espresso or whatever whatever it satisfies you and just makes you go mm, this is so good you know I mean I, I do like to go to Starbucks and I've been with friends and we're all just like oh so good you know just especially when it's cold outside I got really really caught up in chai lattes this year they were so good I met one every day and I would go oh, this is so good but you know what the Word of God is sweeter it's more desirable that's what this says that's what this says does that really plant in our lives but see really that's an encouragement to us to go wow Get your soul ready because I am ready to pour some satisfaction in you. I am ready to pour some just, you know, that feeling you get when, when you get that new thing that you think you just have to have, whether it's the new car, the new whatever, you know, and you just love it so much. Back, I'm backing up here to the gold thing. But God's saying, I want to give you something better. You love that feeling? Let me show you when I speak this into your life and you see and, and have that experience of the God of heaven speaking into your life and you knowing that you're, you've got something bigger going on in you than just common humanity, that the God of heaven is this going to satisfy you. It's going to do something in your heart. It's sweeter. It's better than gold. And he tells us in verse 11 that these words, these judgments are warnings and rewards to us too. They're warnings and rewards. So many times the Lord, as I've learned his word, he rises it up in me in, in moments to warn me. And when my soil is ready to receive that, God has protected me from so many things, so many roots and weeds that could come in and choke out the good life and the abundant life that God, no, God warns me to not let that stuff plan in my life, to not let those, those other words be exalted over his. He warns me. And it also says, when our soil is good to receive this, then, oh my goodness, there's going to be rewards. We're going to get that that growth of 30, 60, 100-fold. And you know what? God, he knows your heart so much. He knows his own heart. He shares it in his testimony. But he knows your heart. So he knows just what kind of crop is going to just make you just smile bigger than heaven. You know? Uh, He knows. He knows what kind of fruit to grow up in you where life is going to be abundant, because that is his heart toward us. Now, David has been describing all of these things about God's word, and that's what we've been reading thus far, but when we get into the last three verses, we begin to see David's response back to the Lord. And listen to what he says. I actually want to read this from the New Living Translation. He says, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. In other words, God, get your shovel and dig this stuff out of me. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Don't let these thorns be in my life. Don't let these rocks be all in my life so that your word can't come into me and, and do what it's supposed to do. He says, then I'm going to be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. See, David is not taking his life back to God and saying, you messed up, God. The plant you gave me, it's not working for me, God. He's not doing that he's coming back to god and he's saying god i've seen how incredible your seed is and i think i messed up i i i think we need to do some work here and in that even process of him regarding the word of god is so holy and so high and elevated in his life the soil dramatically, miraculously just became like rich nutrient stuff for God's word to be poured in there and amazing things to grow up. He gave the word of God the high place that it deserves. He believes in the scriptures. Do you see that? See, as we bring this to a close, we're going to read this last verse here. It says, let the words of my mouth, let the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock, And my Redeemer. You know, I'm sure that many of you have probably heard that verse before. It's one that kind of rises to the surface in our Christian community a lot. It's kind of a popular verse. I don't know if you've ever realized it's David's response after talking about the Word of God. See, it's not some just verse that stands out there that we paint on a picture or a plaque and, and leave it, you know, oh, God help me to not speak ugly to my boss today. I mean, it is that. You definitely use it for that and all kinds of other things. But, but it's a part of a, of a conversation here that David and God are having about his word. It's a, it's a part of a gardening session that David's been having with God. And as I pondered David's response here, really against that backdrop of Mark 4, God really began to speak something to me for the ending part of our time together. See, David's response um, made me wonder if, if a lot of us in the church who love God and have good soil going on in our lives, you know, because I know that those of you who are here this weekend, you're the ones that already love the Lord. You've probably already got a lot of good places of soil in your life. But see, this began to speak to me personally because I I know that I do my best, not much of a gardener in my yard, but in my heart, I really try to cultivate good soil. But I wonder if, even though if that's going on for most of us, I imagine that a lot of us still have maybe a little section over in the corner of the field of our life where the soil is not good. Where maybe we just kind of put a fence around that and that soil's just kind of destined to be hard, or we just say, "Ah, oh, I'll deal with those rocks later," or the thorns, whatever, you know. And I, I wonder for David if I know that he had a lot of good things growing up in his life from the word of God I mean we can read that in other places he had faith he's this mighty warrior he's slaying giants and all this kind of stuff but he comes into this contact this revelation of how amazing God's word is how incredible the seed of God's word is and he's like oh my lips the things that are coming out of my mouth the thoughts that are going in my heart God the soil in my life has not been good and so God i'm coming to you now and i'm taking down the fence and i'm saying you can get into that part too you can have that part too you can work in that part too i wonder if that's why he talked about that i don't know but that's what god just was really impressing on my hearts. see many of us love god deeply and we have cultivated good soil for so many parts of our hearts for god but we've got an area maybe one maybe two where somebody else's words have a higher place Maybe maybe it's a friend or a family member. Maybe they said those words 15 years ago, but they're just still speaking to you. Maybe it's the words of our culture. that, that you, You've just listened to so much of what our culture says. Your heart is so hard, you don't even know what God says about some things. Or, or maybe it's what you even are speaking to yourself. It could be in the area of relationships. It could be that you're fencing off your thought life like David or your identity your sexuality you know it's said and we've learned this so much from working in our cherished ministry that so many men in the church are dealing with pornography issues and that's just a section of their field that they just don't know how to get free there's rocks and thorns and the desires and all that just ugh, you know And and God's saying, I want to sow my seed in that too. I I want you to have good soil in that area. How many Christians deal with appetites that are just out of control, desires that are out of control? Jesus describes that in Mark chapter 4 as thorns that choke out his word. I know for me in my life, I I continue to have to pull the thorns out of appetite for food, that I let those desires to have a higher place those desires speak louder to me than than my ear for god's word and so i have to pull those thorns out often in my life because they can get in and just choke out what god says it can be your finances your pride your selfishness your emotions. the thorns can just grow up out of your heart and into your ears and you don't even hear god anymore but after seeing how incredible god's word is maybe you're like you're like david though and you want to respond god help me take the shovel dig this stuff out because your seed is so incredible it can speak into any part of my life I humble myself before you God I want to listen to what you have to say in every area and isn't that what this is really all about looking at the incredible seed of God's word should cause us to humble ourselves before the Lord and exalt his words above all others you know years ago I went back to Lowe's and I took that plant back I would say to you this morning We all need to go to Lowe's today. We all need to go low. Do you see what I'm saying? We need to get before the Lord and say, would you cultivate soil in my heart? Would you? See, when I went back to Lowe's, I should have gone back to Lowe's and I should have said, will you teach me how to have good soil? Because there were people in Georgia that were growing amazing things. They had just had to figure out how to work that soil. But see, I just wanted to blame. And see, there are people who walk with God, who are getting there and willing to do the work with the Lord. Say, "Teach me how to have good soil," and amazing, abundant things are growing up in their life. And I want to be one of those people, and and I do get to experience that a lot. So we're going to just speak into that this moment for for a moment of time of of just gardening. I know a lot of people garden on the on the weekend, and you work in your yards. I'm going to ask you this morning that every person in this room would join into the gardening moment for right now you know i don't know if you've ever worked in a group before and and everybody's supposed to be working in the yard and you walk up and somebody's just kind of standing there and and everybody's like okay we're working we're working and this this person might even think they're working but they're really not doing anything maybe it's more like when you ride down the road and you see the all the construction workers are all standing there looking at the hole and you're going and our tax dollars you know whatever but but it's the same thing today we're the church here people. we got to get the soil of our hearts good for God's Word. We cannot afford for anybody to stand on the sideline and not let God do some work in our hearts this morning. So what we're going to do is we're going to call the prayer leaders forward and we're going to move into a time of prayer. And and some of our prayer leaders are going to come and they're going to each get one of these baskets and they're going to take it into different places in the room. And for over here uh, on, on your right is going to be the soil that's just hard. In the back, it's gonna be the soil that's rocky. Over here on on your left is gonna be the soil that has thorns in it. And right here is gonna be the good soil. And we've also got a whole bucket of seed that represents the incredible seed of God's word. And what we wanna ask you to do is to participate in the gardening. To not be a person that stands on the side and doesn't do any work. Because I can tell you, I know for certain that every one of us in here has soil issues. And I know for certain, if your soil is 100% nutrient rich this morning, the best thing you could do is come up here and say, God, give me some of your seed. Pour it out on me because the soil's good today and we wanna grow it up, God. So we just need to enter into some gardening moment right now and let the Lord work in us. And so we're gonna do that for just a moment. and, And I wanna tell you, You can go to one of these stations. You can go to all of them. I'm probably going to walk to one of them and then come back over here to the seat because I want to get my soul right. And then I want to come back to the seat and say, God, I'm ready. And yes, it's symbolic. And you might be going, that's silly. That's silly. I can just pray right here in my chair. But let me tell you, there's something powerful about taking your whole being, not just what's going on inside of you, but taking your physical being that God gave you and moving. The reason you don't want to do it most of the time is because it's humbling. But remember, we need to go to Lowe's today, right? (laughs) All of us need to go to Lowe's, and we need to pray as the church. It's a smaller number than we anticipated this weekend here. And so that, you know what that tells me in some ways? I know there's lots of things going on, and no guilt trip in this at all, but the church needs to rise up to love the Word of God. And so those of us that are here, let's not miss this gardening moment. We need it, church. We need it. Let's humble ourselves before the Lord. Let's make sure that no one's words have a higher place than his. So move as you will. Humble yourselves before him. I'm going to do it too.